Yes, recapping all of the action from Wednesday in the NBA. There were seven games on. We catch up on the news, the waiver wire trends, the trade deadline is looming, and Michael Bolton is staying put. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and yes, it was me that leaked that Drake video. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by the Demons and Goblins over at Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PricePicks.com slash NBA. The code, all lowercase, is Locked On NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Are you in a banging mood? Who is ready to bang? Because we are here to double bang this episode. Hit the thumbs up. Hit the like. Hit all that stuff. Go and listen to the audio. Go and watch the video. Do both of them. And then the pre-bangs. You absolute legend pre-bangers have hit 1,500 likes on the live trade deadline show. We're going tomorrow, Thursday, at 1 p.m. Eastern, so get across there. I want 20,000 people in there listening to me react to the trades of the draft rights for Carlo Makovic and another on-trade of uh, Gabriel Prochida. It's going to be fun. Get across there. We love it. It's going to be so, so good. I'm excited. And you know what? Even if nothing massive happens, it's still interesting, yes? And we get to hang out for a couple of hours and talk fantasy basketball. We're here to look at Wednesday's action. Some of this stuff will be important. Some of it will be rendered completely moot by tomorrow because of trades that have gone down. So let's try and get as much information out of this as we can. Let's talk about some news across the NBA. We had the trades that have already gone down. Today, we had Xavier Tillman, the cashier. He's uh, on his way up to Boston in exchange for Lamar Stevens. I don't think Lamar Stevens stays in Memphis. They've got to create a roster spot to convert Gigi Jackson to a full-time contract. So watch that one. Um, we saw the Pistons and the Jazz with the Simone Fontecchio move uh, for Kevin Knox, uh, trading those guys across. And then we saw the Monte Morris. Pistons at it again. Troy Weaver, really looking to save that job. Monte Morris goes across to Minnesota in exchange for Shake, Shake Milton and Troy Brown. That trade is not official yet because the Pistons don't have roster space. So they're going to have to make a move of cutting someone or making another trade to create that open spot to bring those two players in. So we'll see what they do. There was that Incredibly weird report from Pockets, Darvin Ham, about D'Angelo Russell maybe being out tomorrow because he's gone for a tune-up procedure. We all went, bro, what are you talking about? That means he's getting traded. Well, D'Angelo Russell's not on the injury report. So I don't know what, what to make of that. Like, he still might get traded. In fact, he probably still will get traded, but he's not on the injury report. So there you go. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis should be shocked to hear are questionable. But we did get Scoot and DeAndre Ayton appear on the uh, injury report for the Blazers. Malcolm Brogdon is off the injury report for Portland. Uh, we've got an, uh, an update on the Jedi, Ojananobi, who'd been out with elbow inflammation, which really told us nothing. Now it's like a bone spur irritation in his elbow. It doesn't appear to be anything super serious. That sounds bad, obviously. Oh man, he's going to be out for a long time. I think maybe he's out until the break, and then he'll be fine after that. Maybe there's like some sort of cleanup surgery he has to have on it uh, during the offseason, but I think if he just takes this week off, it, it seems like he'll be okay, but I'm not really sure. So that gives us 
at least something to do with what the injury is. It doesn't appear like it's going to be a super, super long-term thing. We got uh, Chris Middleton, who left last game with the ankle sprain in a boot and on crutches. He is out for Thursday. I would expect he misses a little bit of time here. And we'll see just how much Doc Rivers relies upon the young players. And Cam Johnson is out again for Brooklyn with that groin issue. So is Lonnie Walker with his hamstring. I would think that probably puts Johnson out until the All-Star break. Maybe opening up some deeper league minutes for old mate Jalen Williams because they've got a lot of guys out still the Nets. But that's the updates there. It's hard for me to get into too many details or specifics about waiver ads because, again, we are going to have many, many players change teams tomorrow. And that will adjust the, uh, the valuations of guys. Let's see what uh, the crazy people who are making moves on the waiver wire actually decided to do. And the two top ads are the two Thompsons. Number one is Asar Thompson up 17%. Number two is Amen Thompson up 14%. This is interesting because Asar, we don't, I, I think the trade made things worse for Asar Thompson because you're adding in a Simone Fontecchio who might play 26 minutes versus a Kevin Knox who didn't really play. But that could all get changed depending on what happens. And we're going to get that situation today where, and we'll talk about the Pistons game later, where there's a million guys out and Asar had to start. So it seems like, you know, or you could make the conclusion incorrectly, I think, that the trade is what enabled Asar to be able to start. When in reality, it was the trade plus the absence of Cade and the absence of Bogdanovich that pushed him into that role. As for a men, people are, again, just wanting the short term out. I get it. That's it. There was a toss-up whether he wanted to do that. Same with the Saab. I'm still not convinced he's going to play 30 a night rest of season. Uh, it's, it's going to depend a lot on what happens tomorrow. I don't understand burning it out on Karis Levert at all. Absolute nonsense. And that absolutely killed those people who did that today. Keontae George is trending upwards. I don't... A lot of people seem to believe the trade of Fontecchio helps Keontae George. I don't think it has literally any impact on him whatsoever. But he was trending up regardless. I think we still probably need one other move to happen before he steps into must-roster 12-team territory. Sadiq Bay up 8%. Well, that's desperation streaming. What are you doing? And then Kelly Oubre up 8%. Yeah, he probably should be on a roster, Kelly Oubre, uh, with all the absences in Philadelphia at the moment. And then on the most drop list, Lonnie Walker. Yes, we don't need him. Cam Whitmore. Yes, he is not a 12-team league player. Derek Jones, the guys that rostered him for the back-to-back, absolute insane use of a waiver stream in trade deadline week. The Duck, Luke Kennard, we can't really trust that. He's down 8%. Shaden Sharp's down 6%. I don't think he's coming back this season. And Jalen Suggs down 6%. I do understand it. Again, I probably just wouldn't have done it right now. I would have had those guys sitting on my roster and just waited until tomorrow to see what opens up with the trade, and then I can move on from them. Like, what's the point of dropping them today so you can stream someone else in? I know there are leagues that don't have waiver maximums, which is insane to me, that you run a league without any sort of guardrails on how many games you can play. Now, I know the Locked On Fantasy Basketball, we don't have a limit on waiver acquisitions, but we have a very hard limit on how many games you can play for the week. So it doesn't matter how many guys you add in, you can't play them. So there's got to be some sort of guardrail on games that can be played. Running a league with no games limit max for a week, plus no waiver restrictions, is a ridiculous way to run a fantasy league. Sorry to those of you who uh, who might do that if there are any of you guys out there who do it, which, again, would be silly. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be just around the corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. You don't have to worry about connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and the Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. And 
the incredible lineup at Nissan also also includes the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. It's got room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and the advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds of towing, when an adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada, and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. So that is all of that. Let's talk about the first game of the day. It was the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Washington Wizards. Let's have a look. Anything interesting here? Well, of course, there's always going to be something interesting that goes on. The Cavs win it. Not super like big blowout, 114-106, the final score for Cleveland. There's a couple of things that are important on this Cleveland side. Well, we talked about it already. Adding Karis LeVert was a disaster. 13 minutes, 4 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 29%. The 5 assists, I guess you get something there, but I just don't think you need to hold him in 12-team leagues. Get that garbage out of here! Huge buy low on Darius Garland. He had 13 points on 33% in 28 minutes, while uh, the Winter Soldier had 2, 7, and 3. I would be more than happy to drop Mac- Max Max Struess. I'd be more than happy to drop Max Struess tomorrow. Uh, or if something opens up because of injury or because of a trade. I don't think we need to hold on to him. Very, very strong from Evan Mobley, 22-8 and eight with a steal and a block on 90% shooting. And Don Mitchell had 40-8 and eight with five assists in 38. Now, we haven't heard whether Mobley is going to play tomorrow. Uh, I would think that he probably does sit on that back-to-back, but I'm not sure. But what we have seen is Jarrett Allen over the last two weeks, 59th. We knew there was going to be a massive drop-off with the return of Mobley, and it's happened. He had 12-9 and nine with two blocks. It would have been way better. Had he hit his shots, he was just at 42%, but he just can't do the same as what he did when Mobley was out. Very obvious. Not much else going on there. A lot of limited minutes for players off the bench. Very interesting to see Slam and Sammy Merrill play more minutes than Karis LeVert in this one. For the Wizards, let's talk Dan Gafford. 35 minutes, 14 and 13 with four blocks. He's been an absolute stud this season. I had to shield off so many like criticisms or questions about Gafford early in the season. Man, why would you roster this guy? He's absolutely putrid. He's a clear drop. All right, like this guy's a top 50 player this season. And basically the way that we thought it would play out, he's just got no competition for minutes. He's actually turned into not a bad real-life player. Kuzma had 28 and four with five threes, two steals and a block. And this was interesting. Corey Kispert played 33 minutes. He had 23 and seven with four triples, while Denny Avdia played under 20. Nine and eight for Denny in 30% shooting. Most of these games with Brian Keefe coaching has been way worse for Denny than it was when Wes Unseld was, uh, you know, I guess in charge. I think Denny, like he's 117th this season, Avdia. He's 190th over the last five games. I think if we're looking for droppable guys come trade deadline, he might be that. He might not be. But I think given the way that this is sort of fluctuating, I don't think you have to hold through everything. Tyus Jones was solid 15-3 and 8. And I said Corey Kispert got the extra minutes with Avdia limited, but also Jordan Poole only played 25 minutes. He got into foul trouble. In fact, so much foul trouble he fouled out, but just putrid otherwise. 0 of 5 shooting, 0 points, 5 assists and a steal, I guess, somewhat helps. And I know, he's been one of the worst draft picks you could ever make. He's been one of my worst ever projections that I had no way of, really, even if I go back with the benefit of hindsight, I couldn't come out and say, you know what? This is what Jordan Poole's going to be. There is zero chance I could do that. And that, sh- that just happens, man. Like sometimes it happens in your copper, like just a bad, bad error that I don't really see what I could have done different with that. doesn't change the fact that he's a useless. I, we're one day away, right? I think if Tyus does get moved, I think Poole would be the starting point guard and maybe that helps. But like if the first game after the trade deadline, if, or if they don't do anything, I, if you can move on, move on. 
Because my general argument has been, is there a higher upside player on the waiver wire? And a lot of the time, the answer is no. But I think we might see some guys pop up after the deadline that might have that higher upside from pool, where maybe you can just get rid of him and, and free yourself of the stress of dealing with this absolute, absolute clown. As for Bilal Koulibaly, 6-3 and three in 28 minutes. It's the same problem. He's just not enough usage with him. Maybe he's a 12-team guy that explodes later on. I really don't think he's the exploding type. Maybe that's Kispert who gets more of those shots. Corey's a, a deeper league guy, but I'm not you know, super excited about what he's going to bring. He's generally got a pretty poor... Um, He's got a pretty poor overall fantasy game. I forgot to do the old uh, lineup change here. Bilal moved to the bench because he started last game while Corey Kispert moved uh, into the starting lineup. So there you go with that. Let us um, head across to the next game now. It was your Toronto Raptors, I guess, and my Toronto Raptors as well, um, made made the, uh, the trek down to take on the Charlotte Hornets. In terms of lineup changes here, Rowan Barrett moved back into the starting lineup after resting the last game. Bruce Brown moved to the bench, and then Cody Martin started for the Hornets, and Ishmael Smith moved back to the bench there. So the Raptors get the win, 123-117 against the embarrassment that is Charlotte. All right, 123 for Toronto. Let's talk Barrett, because he played 33 minutes. He had 23-6-5. and five. Four threes, really, really strong game, really good. His shooting continues to be really massive in Toronto. I Again, it's like 14 games. I'm not really ready to say that 14 games because he gets to like um, mainline poutine through his ass, that that makes him a 15% better shooter. I don't really think that's the truth, but it's happened recently. I would be... There are plenty of RJ Barrett stands for as mediocre as a player as he is, so if you have him and they don't, I would be trying to see if I can get out of him. He's always been a very good points league player. Or sorry, a rosterable points league player. Nothing has changed in that respect. But he is, at the moment, playing like a category league guy. I'm, again, I have a little faith that that level of shooting holds, but it's holding for now. Pirtle had 12 and 12, pretty solid from him. While Bruce Brown did did stuff, just not the minutes aren't quite there. 12, 3, and 4 is good. 22 minutes is not. If Bruce Brown does not get traded and this rotation stays the same... You can't bother with him in 12s. I would just be waiting to see what happens tomorrow. Well, Gaz Trent had 14 points, four threes, and three steals, which is, again, totally okay, but not absolutely not a must-roster guy. All-star legend Scotland Barnes. Yeah, what's going on here? Like, he's just not right, is he? Like, he's just something a bit off. 18, 5, and 5 in 36 minutes. That's far from bad. Like, that is totally reasonable, but that's sort of... These sort of numbers from Barnes are the sort of numbers that we thought that he... Or I thought, sorry... Not you, because you all, you knew how good he was going to be. What I thought he might be when we headed into this season, a guy that's like a fifth or sixth round player who just doesn't elevate it. And he has elevated all season, apart from now. It's a little bit of a slump, maybe a buy low. And Emmanuel Quickly is also a buy low, 18-3-4. For him, just really can't get much going. 27 minutes for Schroeder. He had 16-4-5 in his 27 minutes. I Look, that's okay. The shooting was pretty rough, but I don't really think that we have to look at him as an absolute must. Grady Dick had six points in his 15. He hit two threes. I do think there is a chance for him to find a pretty sizable role later in the season, but I'm not like, I'm not just going to wait around under all circumstances waiting for them to make that call. We'll see if any moves open things up uh, for Dick, but you know we're not all going to be that receptive. Onto the Hornets, a huge, 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 huge sell-high opportunity for Miles Bridges. 40 points in back-to-back games. 38 minutes, 45 points for Eddie Charlton with six threes, eight rebounds, and seven assists. 
And it's not just about, well, he's the only one there who can do it, Josh, because, again, that is what you will think. You will think Miles Bridges is out here beating everybody with these big numbers and putting up these huge performances because that's what the Hornets are. But that's well and all well and good, but he shot 63%. It doesn't matter who's there or who's not. He won't do that. And yeah, that usage in those minutes may not hold. This is a huge hot streak for Miles. There's a two-game playoff week coming up. There's a specter of a trade. I don't think the court thing is going to create a problem, unfortunately. But I would just be looking into it. Or if no one gives you good value, write it out. That's cool too. Cody Martin was great. He moved back into the starting lineup 19-5-8 with two steals. That is a huge game. But of course, the uncertainty around Gordon Hayward, who did not play here, and LaMelo Ball, who did not play here, shockingly enough, means that we can't really trust Martin, but he's at least on our stream board. While Brandon Miller played a ton, 41 minutes. Man, these are a lot of minutes, Stephen. 20 points, four rebounds, two steals, a block. Shot really, really well, but didn't get to the line at all. The peripherals are good. The defensive stuff is good. I still maintain he is a sell high, but that sell high is like just depends on how people want to react to it. And someone said the other day, like, Josh, he's a rookie. How can you say that this shooting won't hold? Well, it's there's a lot of it that I just go, well, look what he did in college. Look what he's done for the first 40 games of this season. And now he's like 13 percentage points higher. Pretty unlikely that we just get a random bump and it holds at that level that makes him look like you know, a top five player in the league. That, that's pretty unlikely to stick. And that's why I think there is a sell high. But the fact that people will argue against that does further strengthen, in my opinion, the argument that he is a sell high because someone obviously believes that it holds at this level. Whether you pull it off or not, giggity, I don't know. You always invest in it. You look into it. And if no one wants to give you sky-high value, then you just say, cool, I'll just enjoy what's going on. Nick Richards had five and six. Not a good game from Richards. His last couple haven't been great. I do think that he still needs to be on a roster. But if you're in a 10-teamer, he's probably your worst player and you move on if something opens up. If you're in a 12-teamer and you legitimately think he's your worst player, which you may not be right, but that depends, then you move on. That is generally the discussion we have. If someone's your worst guy, then in most cases, then they're expendable. Speaking of worst guys, PJ Washington had six points on 18% shooting. This is the problem with this man. He just does so much of this stuff poorly, and then the next game, he'll have 50 points on one shot, going 49 or 50 from the line or something. Right? He's so wildly inconsistent that it is hard to feel really confident. But with everyone out here, Ball and Haywood in particular, um, we'll see what happens. Now, they could make moves here with Kyle Lowry as well. Do they bring him in after the deadline? Do they trade him away and bring you get somebody back who's in the rotation? There's a lot of things that can change with this team that we still we still don't really know where they are. And trying to like pin down all of the value here is a little bit tough you know, given those, um, given those current absences. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS. It's you against the numbers. Pick more or pick less. Simple. On two to six individual player stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in. It is demon time on Prize Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at price picks. The squares marked with red demons or green goblins give you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. 
you go in, you look at all the different individual player stats that they throw up there, and you just choose more or less. Get those Green Goblins going and get your lineup ready to rock and roll. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. The code is LockedOnNBA. For a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. The code is LockedOnNBA. For a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, pick more, pick less. It is that easy. Okay, let's um, let's go on to the third game of the day. It is the Miami Heat hosting the San Antonio Spurs. The Heat win at 116-104. This is the first of a back-to-back for San Antonio. It's the second of a back-to-back for Miami. Weminyama only played 28 minutes. I'm going to guess some of that is just some preservation for the back-to-back. He had 18-13 with three threes, a steal, and a block. Just another stupid line. While Vassell had 19-3-3. My boy, Bubble Champagne, only 19 minutes. Just watch if they clear out some other guys to see if his minutes rise. He's just a name to watch. Six points with two threes and two steals, while Trey Jones had 19-2-6. and six. And He's been playing really well, Trey. I do think if you have Trey Jones... In a dynasty league, I'd be very, very interested in selling off. I don't think he's a long-term starting point guard. He's obviously been way better than Jeremy Sohan in that position. Um, and it's made the team better, but like it doesn't actually make them good. Sohan struggled a bit here, 6-5. and five. I think you do want him on a 12-team roster, but I do understand if you don't. While the horse, yeah, 7-6 and six for Calden Johnson, 25 minutes, 30% shooting. Just I don't think he has to be hold. You mean he, he probably enjoys it. Who doesn't enjoy a soft caress? But if you've got him on your roster, I don't think you need to do that with Calden Johnson. Like, you can roster him, but there's too much of this nonsense that goes on. 22 unnecessary minutes from Chetty Osman had eight points. And why is Zach Collins still held in 50% of 12-team leagues? What are we doing? Get that garbage out of here! Eight and four. Now, Collins was totally fine to roster at the start of the season once he was starting. And then he got benched, and you don't roster him. I, I do not understand why we are holding onto him. No idea. For the Heat, Jim Butler, 17, 11, 11, three steals and a block. Great run of things. Someone said, Josh, can you tell me why you think Jimmy Butler's a sell high? Won't he be playing down the stretch when they're jostling for seeding? Like, I mean, he might be, but he gets hurt a lot. Right? This is my thing. He is on a roll, big numbers at the moment. I don't trust Jimmy Butler's lower body to stay intact at the moment. He, We can talk about the injury proneness of certain players. He's one of the worst. And it doesn't really get mentioned that much. So I would always be inquiring about moving off of that risk. Tyler Hero had been struggling, but so it's good to see a 24, 6, and 7 from him. Bam had 20 and 5, and it was a solid enough game from Caleb Martin. 9 and 5 with two steals. That's probably not enough for 12s, though. Rogier, yeah, 13 on 15 shots is terrible. At least he had the five assists, but he's still obviously way, way off where he was in Charlotte. If you were able to execute a sell high on Rogier, it's probably one of the best trades that anyone will do this season because this is like... We talked about him being a sell high, not having any understanding there was a trade coming, but saying, hey, LaMelo is coming back. And then that obviously didn't even happen. Like he came back for five games, was gone. But if you pulled that off, Giggity, and got like a top 40 guy for Rogier, you are loving it. Another subpar game from Jaime Jaquez, 10 and 3 with no other stats. The minutes are up, so that is somewhat encouraging. But there just isn't a 12-team league player here, I don't think. And Joshie Richardson had 9 and 4 in his 26 minutes. Continuing to get some pretty solid minutes. Old Josh. But uh, it's only really deeper league stuff that we are paying attention to there. The next game we look at is the Atlanta Hawks and the Boston Celtics. A couple of lineup changes here. Bogdan Bogdanovich slid into the starting lineup because DeJounte Murray was out with a back injury. Is this it? Is this the injury that's actually a fake injury covering up for a trade? Maybe. Murray did have the injury the other day um, and was questionable over the weekend, but who knows. And then uh, Jalen Brown 
slid back into the lineup to replace Drew Holiday. Now, I put a tweet out, ready for a side note, I put a tweet out today saying, yeah, everyone in the media, there's a lot of brainwashing that goes on in media, and I'm sure you guys are all aware of this. Maybe, maybe I brainwash you, I don't know. There's a lot of brainwashing that goes on. And everything that came out about 65-game minimum, player participation po- policy, every article, picture of Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, every single time. They're the only players that it ever gets talked about. Man, these guys are ruining the game. They've killed everything. It's all Kawhi's fault. It's all Kawhi's fault. It's all Kawhi's fault, right? And I think it's just a ridiculous misrepresentation of the situation. Like last season, Kawhi Leonard was returning off an ACL, exactly the same that Jamal Murray was, or the same that like Clay Thompson was the year before that. And that's pretty standard procedure to sit on the second night of a back-to-back. And the arguments that you have with people, like because I said, hey, the Celtics are actually doing way more load management than what the Clippers ever did. Because you'll see, like it's like the last four weeks, it's Tatum misses a game, then he comes back, then Brown misses one, then Drew misses one, then White misses one, then Porzingis misses one, then Horford misses one, then Drew misses one, then Jalen misses one, then Porzingis. It's, it, it's every game, someone's in and out. And I think it's perfectly good. I think that's fine. They are so far ahead. That is literally what they should be doing. But nobody creates any sort of stink about this. There's no like, oh my God, look at the Celtics ruining the integrity of the game. What about the fans that came to see Drew Holiday? None of that talk is ever there. It's all about Kawhi. And look, and, the, and then you the argument is, well, Kawhi and Paul George missed half the games last season. Not really. Paul George didn't sit back-to-backs. He pulled a hamstring. He got hurt. I think he sat two back-to-backs as he recovered from the hamstring. And then he busted his knee at the end of the season. Kawhi was returning from an ACL injury, then sprayed his ankle, and then did play a back-to-back towards the end of the year. They got hurt a lot. But there's this idea that load management is the worst thing in the world when it's actually smart when your team is good to actually preserve some of these guys. Yet, and the narrative that gets pushed by so many loudmouth media people regarding that the Clippers were just, no one wanted to play, they're all faking it. Like the man was coming off an ACL surgery and then sprained his ankle and then tore his meniscus in the playoffs. But like, yeah. So I tweeted that and Celtics fans got so upset. Like I'm not telling you that your team's doing a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing that they're trying to keep these guys healthy. Yet that term gets uh, such negativity associated with it. So anyway, Drew Holiday load managed today so Jalen Brown could return from his load management game in the last one. Boston 125, Atlanta 117. Jalen Johnson 19-15-4 with three steals. Great. Like, you've got to have a Necro Kongwu. I know it's been some tough sledding all season, but Jesus, 19 and 10 with two blocks, 36 minutes. I said the other day, I do think that he might stick in this role. Even when Capella comes back, this is an absolute no-brainer. Uh, must roster player. Trey Young had 20 and 10, but it was a huge game from Sadiq Bay. 25 and 9 with four threes. I don't trust him at all to do this. This man has played 30 minutes a night all season and is not a top 150 player. You can stream him, but I don't think he's an absolute must. Well, DeAndre Hunter, you'd be shocked to know, did not return the 27 points in 18-minute uh, level from the last game. He had 10 points in 23 because historically he is terrible at fantasy and remains terrible at fantasy. And one game spike does not mean you are good at fantasy anymore or ever. So we don't have him. Bogdanovich had 12 and 6, a really, really uh, rough shooting night. And their depth is still horrible, mate. You get 14 minutes out of Garrison Matthews and Paddy Mills. Yeah, lucky they got that close. For the Celtics, Al Horford, huge game. 36 minutes, 14, 8, and 8. Two steals, four blocks, four threes. Was it whenever they sit someone, Horford's going to be worth having. Derek White had 21, 6, and 7 with five threes. Porzingis, 31 with two threes and two blocks. And Jalen Brown, 15, 6, and 6. And Tatum had 20 and 9 with seven assists. Good numbers all across the board. 
the bench guys, they've got to incorporate Tillman into this at some point, and it's going to probably impact those 21 minutes that Luke Cornett got there. But there's no real changes to any of their fantasy value whatsoever, really. And that is totally okay. Um, let's go on to the next game. It is the Golden State Warriors. Oh, that's the wrong button. Let's go back and do that again. Uh, the Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers. There were some changes to lineups here. Andy Wiggins returned from his sprained ankle. Brandon Pajemski moved back to the bench. And the package, Jaden Springer, he started with Daniel House Jr. out. The Sixers were completely beat up in this one. Um, and they weren't able to get the victory. The Warriors 127 on the road, beat the Sixers 104, the final score. Wiggins played only 23 minutes, but he had 21 and 10. This game was over very, very early. Steph, not a good game, but who cares? They won nine points in 25 minutes and 29%. Draymond played 18 minutes. Kaminga had 18, 6, and 5. It was just, again, we're not reading huge amounts into it. It is good to see that Clay Thompson was able to have a good game here. I don't think in a shallow league you need to roster Clay. There's too much inconsistency and too many bad games to consider him a must-hold, but 18-3 and three in 28 minutes is good. But like, what else do we get out of this? Pajemski had 6-5-5 five and five with two steals, but back on the bench with Wiggins there. I think we probably do hold Pajemski at the moment, but I think it's going to be that he's fringy in a lot of category leagues. Uh, what about old mate Lester Quinones? Oh, another good game from the big fella. 13-2-4 with four triples. Just a name to watch in those deeper leagues, but... Again, it is really hard to see how enough minutes get uh, accumulated without a trade for Kinones, but he is playing pretty well at the moment, and I'm, I'm impressed. For the Sixers, the best fantasy performer of the day for Philadelphia was uh, your mate, Paul Reed. He had six points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, and two blocks. Now, I heard Dan Besber say this on his show. He says, you know what? You might not want to roster Paul Reed if you're in a situation where you're punting eight categories, and the only category you're not punting is points, and that's the way to look at it. Because people are still going to tell you this is a bad game. Man, why would you waste your ads on Paul Reed? He's trash. Don't do it with Paul Reed. 31 minutes in a blowout. 6, 8, and 4. Two steals, two blocks. The best fantasy performance on the team. I, again, I ask, what more do you want? Paul Reed remains a guy that should be on a roster. Now, if they do make a trade for Andre Drummond tomorrow, maybe he goes into a, a role where he plays 22 minutes. Or what he could start over Andre Drummond. Because I'll tell you, have you watched Andre Drummond? It's not always that good. And the Sixers have got a history with watching Andre Drummond play and go, eh, not that good. So don't be surprised if, if Reed even still plays 26 minutes a night if Drummond is there. That is possible too. But what he's encouraging is the big minutes and he wasn't sick and he did the Paul Reed things. Toby Harris, yeah, 13 and 7, 3 assists. Maxi, 12, 2 and 3. Huge buy low chance here for Maxi. Massive buy low chance. And Ubre, Ubre, 11 and 3 in 25 minutes on 15 shots. That's what he does. He's not very good. We know this. But there is opportunities for him. But this is a team without Melton, without Embiid, without Batum, without Morris, and without House, who'd been a starter as well. So they got pumped. There's just a lot of guys out. We got you know, 10 minutes of Ricky Council, the fourth. He had 17 points. Kenyon Martin played 29 minutes and had 15 points. He played a lot of uh, backup center because Mo Bamba remains bad. Zero points for Mo in nine minutes. Um, the package had eight points. Jaden Springer in 23 minutes. He had two steals and a block. He would be a really interesting fantasy guy if he was getting 27 a night. Unfortunately, he's not because Batum, Melton, Morris, House probably are all coming back relatively soon and Springer's not going to have this role. And Beverly had 13, 3, and 5. Look, they were interesting streams for today, but this does not open up a permanent role, I don't think, for Springer to be this guy that we need to pay huge amounts of attention to. 
All right, let's go on to the next game. Your Detroit Pistons get the gigantic big upset win on the road against the, uh, at the moment, not great Sacramento Kings. Let's uh, let's take a look at some lineups that did uh, that did go down there. We saw Killian Hayes get back into the daylight. Monty cannot stop with this guy. Killian Hayes starts with Cade Cunningham out. Old mate Asar Thompson starts with Boyan Bogdanovich out. So that's interesting. Um, and then we had another change with uh, the Moose, Mike Muscala, moving into the starting lineup with the Fort, Kevin Knox, out. So it's a lot of changes because, of course, there's injuries. There's um, the trade going down that hasn't um, hasn't resolved yet. And that's where we're at. But it didn't matter because the Pistons were good. They win 133-120. Again, before we overreact to Asar, he only played 27 minutes. He did have an ankle sprain and returned. He had 12-6 and six with two steals and a block on 83%. It's great. We want him to play these minutes. But no Stewart, no Cunningham, no Bogdanovich, no um, Fontecchio, who's yet to arrive. I don't think Troy Brown is going to matter. I don't think Shake Milton's going to matter. If you've got Asar, no problem. But like I said in the trade show earlier today, the arrival of Fontecchio makes it more crowded for Asar, not less. They still could make other moves to open things up, and it would be absolutely ridiculous of this team not to play Asar, but it's been ridiculous of them not to play him through 50 games already. So I don't know how to, uh, to judge that. Asar clearly has a better path to minutes than Amen does, and this was strong. Ivy was ridiculous. Revenge game for not getting picked at pick four in the draft. 37, 6, and 7, th- 38 minutes. Remember uh, Monty didn't... Play him. He was the 11th man in the rotation. Cool. I think we just got to roll with uh, Ivy at this point. And look, things will change at some point. But roll with him now. Well, Duran had 20 and 15 with six assists. Now, I would imagine both Bogdanovich and Cade play tomorrow. This is the first game of a back-to-back. Huge game from Duran here. Well, Sasser got 32 minutes. Again, no Cade. The trade of Monty Morris. The guy's not arriving. He had 18 points. He had four assists. He shot 50%. His shooting's been great this season. I think that Sasser might have a chance late, late in the season to put up some 12-team stream numbers, but not now. Jim Wiseman played zero minutes, while Muscala had nine points in 25, and Killian had nine assists in his 28, but I don't think Killian is going to be playing a large part. Although, with Morris traded, Monty will find a way to get him back in the rotation, but we don't need to care for fantasy. Huge Alec Burks game as well. Alec Burks. 25 and seven with five threes. Again, it is really just hard to know because they still have to make moves. They've got new guys coming in. Fontecchio needs to fit in. Uh, Stewart's going to come back. Hard to get too much judgment out of this. For the Kings, Sabonis started off pretty quiet, but went pretty crazy in the end. 30 and 12 with seven assists on 65%. Malik Monk, the minutes with this guy, I I don't get it. He played like 19 minutes three games ago. 34 here. 23, 5 and 10 with two blocks. So he's back in the good book, so we roster him. Fanapants got ejected. He had a solid enough game here, Kevin Herter. 16 with four threes. I still think he's more on the fringes, but it was another absolute... Oh, what the stinker from Darren Fox. 12, 3, and 7, 3 steals and a block. What? This guy is, uh, yeah, look, not great at the moment. Outside the top 40 now for the season. Just a horrendous run. I think the shoulder's a real problem, and hopefully All-Star gives him a time to rest up. While the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Yeah, 8 and 4, 24 minutes. We don't roster him. Absolute dreadful game from Keegan Murray. I guess this decides that, that Ivy should have been the pick over Murray. Zero points in 20 minutes. Missed all four of his shots. He had four assists. He had foul trouble. And his inconsistencies are, are, are an issue, for sure. They are a huge issue. They have been all season. His usage is way down at the moment. And we talked about him on the buy low show. I still believe he's a bit of a buy low, but this is really bad. 
Uh, Trey Lyles had 19 points with five threes. He just got red hot in this game. He's really hard to trust on a game-by-game basis, though. And lastly, let's go to the last game. The New Orleans Pelicans on the road beat the Clippers, who this is a pretty usual spot for a letdown as well. Team that come back from a long road trip. They've been on, I think, a seven-game road trip, the Clippers, and their first game back at home, they, it's often a letdown spot, and it happened here. The Pelicans 117, the Clippers 106, the final score. Um, let's talk about the Pelicans. There was no Valanchunas for the second half. He copped a calf contusion. Larry Nance started the second half. He played 27 minutes. He had two points. It's almost Paul Reed-esque. Three rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. If Valanchunas is out, and I'm not sure he will be, Nance is a 12-team ad. He will not provide you big points. Do not come here and go, Larry Nance, what a useless ad. He's about efficiency. He's about defensive stats with some rebounds and out-of-position assists. That is what he does. Zion had, I think, I think he was scoreless, so he had two points in the first half. He ended up with 21-3 and 10-1 one steal and two blocks. Bad efficiency, but good numbers nonetheless. CJ had another huge game. He's been ridiculously good this season. It's been a bit of a cold stretch. Before today, he was 100th over the last two weeks, but he's uh, exceeded my expectations. And the dustbuster, huge defensive stats for Dyson Daniels. 21, or 22 minutes, actually, for Daniels. 10 points, four steals, two blocks, four rebounds. He's got a little bit of a fantasy game there in him, but it's going to require... Probably 26 a night to get there. Trey Murphy, only 23 minutes. Herbalife Jones, sorry, Herb Jones. Uncle Herbie. Uncle Herb? What's it? That's what? Unky Herb. Unky Herb. There you go. Unky Herb. Well, that sounds so... That doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth at all. 13 and 7 for Unky Herb with uh, two threes. I don't think he's a must-roster 12-team category league or points league player, nor do I think that for Trey Murphy, who had 13 with three threes. Ingram, 15, 8, and 6, which is fine. Um, Alvarado got the 13 minutes while Jordan Hawkins back out of the rotation. For the Clippers, Jimmy Harden, it was great. 19, 8, and 5. That's just continuing the, the nice little stretch he's on. Kawhi, definitely not at his best, but okay, he's been awesome. So I think we'll give him a little bit of a pass here. 15, 6, and 4 with two steals and a block. And it's a gigantic buy low on Paul George. He shot horribly. He played 28 minutes. The minutes restriction still there. I believe after the All-Star break, he'll be flying. Seven, one, and four with two steals on 20% shooting. You have got a great opportunity. You might even be able to get Paul George for a player outside the top 50. Maybe. Maybe. Don't know, but maybe. With Zubats back, we got um, 18 minutes from Westbrook. Four, three, and four. I've been waiting to jack Russell Westbrook off all day. Get that garbage out of here. Norman Powell had 18 points. He's a stream guy only. And Zubats still limited to 21 minutes. I do think Zubats is a 12-team league guy, so I'd be more than happy to hold him through this little bit of a ramp-up period that we're at. And not much else going on here. Uh, the Farmers Union, Amir Coffee had eight points in 21. He's sort of been hovering around being a 14-team league player. Now, I do have to rush out tonight um, and preparing for a big show tomorrow, so I'm not going to go through the whole um, yeah, process of, of going through everything that we need to in terms of or everything that we normally do in terms of lines of the night. I'll just read off what it is. Miles Bridges was the monstrous line of the night. Your waiver wire, yeah, I'd say it was probably Al Horford, and he's probably not available. Alec Burks was your waiver wire line of the night. Your uh, young gun of the night was Jaden Ivey, and your dud of the night was Paul Washington Jr. Yeah, six points on 18%. He gets the dud of the night. Max Struess, pretty close behind him there. Don't make any sort of silly ads now. The Asar Thompson one, I think, would be all right. Like, But there is a risk, and remember that Fontecchio added in is worse after the trade, although more stuff can happen to free things up for Asar, and a lot of things had to happen for him to get these this role today. Just remember that part of it. Um, 
nothing super interesting happened today that makes me think here we have to 100% go and grab this guy, but it's all an individual situation. Look at your own team. Look who's available. Asar is totally reasonable, and it is a very easy argument to make that Asar will be playing 30 minutes a night come the 10th of March. But it's Monty Williams, so who knows? But it is it is an, a relatively easy argument to make for that one. Guys, I'm going to head out of here because, again, i uh, got to rush off. i uh, got family stuff I've got to go and do now. So, yeah, we are, we're out of here. Don't forget, though, pre-bank tomorrow. Bloody early day for me. Uh, so get you and 19,999 of your mates to come in and watch the trade deadline show. Pre-bang it. Hey, thanks, for everyone. We've pre-banged up to 1,500. Awesome. I'd love 30,000 pre-banks, but 1,500 is a sensational number, and I cannot wait to see you guys at the trade deadline. Uh, I'll see you there. Guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.